Welcome, citizens. I'm Allie Grauer. And I'm Drew Merzieski. And, and this, this is Warda. Quiet Year is a map game by Avery Alder. You define the struggles of a post-apocalyptic community and attempt to build something good within their quiet year. Every decision and every action is set against a backdrop of dwindling time and rising concern. We sat down to play The Quiet Year with our friends Cap and Nitai. You may know Cap from the Nerdy Show Network and Nitai from being around the Warder community and live streams on Twitch. We decided to tweak the quiet year to encompass not just one year, but several. We decided to give this game the finale treatment. That is to say, we scripted it, re-recorded it, and produced it for you here. The year is 4828, and the glimpse is humanity rising. Part 3 First summer, 4828. After spending almost the entire winter in the complex, I'm starting to think that maybe we need to move the capital down here. Every day, more and more people flock to the site, and against my better judgment, there were buildings going up even over the true winter. When I used to fight with my older sisters, my father used to say that you can either expend energy fighting, or you can accept it and make it look like it was your idea. So, we are going to make it look like this was our idea to relocate here. Now that the snows are gone and the summer weather is back, so much of that is coming to fruition. Radovan still rants about the end of his war, but the public has taken the end of the neutral ward war as a sign from the dragon. We did issue an edict that not everyone can live by the complex. There has been some discussion about that, but most of the leadership in the local districts agree. Along with this new City of the Dragon, there is talk of making a railway directly from the upper capital. I'd really appreciate that. It would cut a three-day trip down to only a day. Alice continues her translation work. Lindsay and her have become very good friends, and while Alice has admitted that the language of the text is currently not one that she knows, she says she sees the markers of other forgotten languages and thinks she can decipher it in time. Overall, things are peaceful. It makes me worried. My mother always said that peaceful times do not last forever. She had ample examples of that in her life. First spring, 4828. The relocation of the capital is started in earnest. Actually, it won't be a full relocation. We plan on using both as sites that represent human power in these lands. But I can already tell that the City of the Dragon will be something special. I'm currently in the old capital, or the upper capital, as people are now calling it. I was called from the complex because there has been another mass outbreak of the pox. Three more districts have been infected, along with the other districts that have already been affected by it. People are panicking, but luckily a goodly number of the population was down at the complex when this happened. 
We have it contained, but the news is still not good. I've been keeping up with the doctors on what this pox is, but there was still no breakthroughs, so I enlisted the aid of other humans of expertise. A few engineers, an artist, an astronomer, so on and so forth. I figured we might be coming at this problem from the wrong angle. We had several lengthy meetings over this season, and I was more than a little surprised to find that our human arcanist, he was very hard to find, mind you, was the one who cracked the case. Turns out, the pox is magical in nature. We never considered that, as magic is not something we focus on here, and the half-gene and full-fae community seem to be safe. The arcanist, a Simon Whistler, has concluded that not only is this pox rooted in magic, it is rooted in raw magic. Somehow, these people have been exposed to an organic form of raw magic. Now, I'm not an arcanist, and I can't give you all the details. When Simon explained it to me, I just about had to go lie down afterwards after because of the headache. But the important thing is that these people were exposed to this raw magic. We need to find out how. While we do, Simon has been giving us options on what to do with those who have been infected. He's informed us that there is no cure for this, and that all of the dead that we buried during the first outbreaks need to be exhumed and burned as quickly as possible. That is not an edict I'm going to be happy delivering. But I do agree with Simon. It has to be done. Second Summer, 4828. I've seen a lot of things since I was left on my own after Stormfall. I've seen the wonders that magic can bring. I've seen that same magic used to kill thousands of people. I've seen the best and the worst of Fae and humanity alike. I've seen us work past the good and the bad and forge something stable and solid that I never thought we'd be able to have. I thought I'd seen it all. But I was wrong. This season has been dominated by the raw magic pox. Now that we know what it is, we've been scouring the districts trying to find its source. While we have done that, more cases have been reported. We've also started to have a more accurate recording of the deaths as the pox runs its course. The exhuming of those previously killed is also underway. I can see the pious from my office window as we dispose of them. There's been a good deal of backlash against the popularum for this decision, but we're doing our best to let everyone know that it is for our own good and safety. The burnings, though, will be the least of our worries soon. We've begun to administer the cure for the pox. I know that originally I said there was no cure, and technically, there still isn't. But we have developed a method that has promise. Early in the season, we found an illegal citizen of the Republic. He had entered into our lands undocumented, and had been living alone on the outskirts for several years. When he was brought to our attention, I was at first sceptical. The man said his name was Alistair Cross. Now, I had heard about the adventures of Alistair Cross. I had read them in the scripts. Even as a child, I found them to be nonsense. A magical human that, no matter how improbable the case, always solved it. It was sensationalism at best and bad fiction at worst. But as we dug into who this man was, it became apparent that he was indeed Alistair Cross. Of course, his truth was stranger than the fiction by which his life had been led. Alistair told us of the Mechanica device he had developed and implanted into his body. A device that allowed him to nullify magic within its own body, but at the detriment of his own health and safety. 
If he were to remove it, or if it were to stop working, he would be dead in minutes. After some coercion and some deal-making, Mr. Cross allowed our engineers to study the device, and after spans of accelerated research and development, and not a few cut corners, we allowed those infected with the pox a choice. They could either undergo the procedure, or they would die from the pox. Most agreed. Some did not. It was to be expected, but what I did not expect was the mortality rate of those that had the procedure done. We lost 60%, a number that will haunt me until my dying day. Not only this, but the side effect of stopping the pox had been that those who survived the implant have become what Alistair calls stopped. They do not age, or heal, or grow. They are stuck in the moment they switch on the device. Even if changes occur, the body will always revert to that moment. Some call it a miracle. I call it a curse. After interviewing several of these new stopped individuals, it has become apparent that there are other parts of this process that Mr. Cross neglected to tell us about, such as the nightmares, the fact that all sensations such as touch, taste, and smell are dampened, and yet the sensation of pain appears to have been enhanced. It's horrific to watch what these people go through. Lindsay has taken it upon herself to bring the stopped to the complex, inducting them as sacred devotees to the dragon. It is a small comfort, but it is the best we can do for them. Cases of the pox have dropped significantly since we started the procedures, but who knows if we will ever eradicate it. If only we could find the source. I'll write more later. Middle Spring, 4828 If I have learned anything these last eight years, it's that tragedy often leaves an opening for opportunity. I feel like we've had enough tragedy to build a mountain of opportunities, but the best ones come when you least expect them. This all started earlier this season with a cave-in at the vault. No one was hurt, thankfully, but thanks to some detective work by Alistair Cross, it became apparent to us that this wasn't random. Over the coming days after the attack, we eventually were able to track down an offshoot sect of the Dragon, a group that traced its ideology back to those original cultists, mixed in with what we had developed about the Dragon. Apparently, we are not as good at this whole eradication thing as we thought. The group, calling themselves the Dragon's Teeth, said that this cave-in was the first step in a full-on holy war against the false religion of the Dragon. When I heard that, I wanted nothing more than to wipe the world of these people. I'm done with wars. Luckily, it won't come to that. Lindsay was able to negotiate with the Dragon's Teeth, and we came to a compromise. They get to influence some of the new teachings of the dragon that we would discover once Alice has finished her translation, and in turn we get to not have a guerrilla war. I think what I'm most impressed with, though, was Lindsay's ability to spin this whole mess into forward momentum for the Republic. With this group now on our side and the entire Republic looking to the dragon, we are going to move forward with a project that Radovan and Lindsay apparently decided to leave me out of. They call it... The word of the dragon. It's literally a flying fortress. Not a sky island with artillery like the Accordance and the Commerce Guild have, but a mobile, destructive air vessel, bigger than anything we've ever conceived of. Even though they did not consult me on this, I think it will be a good idea. Carry a bigger stick than the other guys, Father said to me. That way, they'll never have the balls to use theirs and you won't have to use yours. 
First Autumn, 4828 When wandering the streets after stormfall, I'd come across other humans that seemed incapable of accepting good things. If something went in their favour, they seemed almost determined to make sure it didn't work out. It was as if the concept of good fortune unnerved them. They usually fell into two categories. They were either, this is a trick, this can't happen to me, or this is nice, now I want more. These dragon's teeth idiots were apparently part of the latter group. We were well underway building the word of the dragon, and Alice is still translating, but things seem to have quieted down. The capital relocation moves on, and we are not even at war with someone for the first time in what seems like years. Things are going good. And then, the dragon's teeth learned about the stopped. Apparently, the concept of being chosen by the dragon to live a life of numbness is incredibly appealing to them. The major leaders of the group asked for the procedure to be done on them, and when we refused, they subjected themselves to the pox, forcing us to give them what they wanted. If that had been it, I think I would have been fine letting them suffer with the rest of their lives like that, but after they were stopped, they found it so enlightening that they began to subject random people to it. When we finally caught them and shut down the operation, they told us it was the will of the dragon that all humanity be stopped. That it was the only way to defeat the Fae. I thought they were crazy, but I saw Lindsay when they made their case. She almost seemed like she was considering it. Thankfully, I was able to talk some sense into her, and we tried the dragon's teeth with the judgment of the dragon. Even being stopped won't save you from five bites from a Lindworm. I say good riddance to them. They were a liability we can't afford to have. But I fear that the damage they have done will sink deeper than I can account for. Hopefully, I will be wrong. Latter Spring, 4828 Since Lindsay and Radovan have had their own secret project in the works, I thought it was about time that I let them know about mine. To tell you the truth, I wasn't really upset when I learned they were developing a flying fortress behind my back. Really, I was amused that it had taken them this long to start one. I've been working on a project these past few years, and last year we hit a snag. Apparently our knowledge of nullification magic is pretty limited. So limited, in fact, that while we were able to develop a means of making a nullification wall, the actual understanding of how to make it nullify magic eluded us. But then, dear Mr. Cross came into our lives, and with his help and some hefty compensation, we now have a working prototype. If this goes the way that I want, then the weather wall will be a novelty. Something tourists can go see for a few Lara. This null wall will be our true defense. A barrier that bars any magical creature from crossing into our territory without us knowing. We already have had a few successful trials with it. Now all I need to do is present it before the Populorum for approval and then building. All in all, it's been a good spring. Second Autumn, 4828 Lindsay is dying. I have no preamble, no lead into this, I just... She's dying. She was attacked by a dragon's teeth operative. The last, he says. Alistair and Radovan are out making sure he's the last one. This operative infected Lindsay with the pox in broad daylight at a luncheon Lindsay was hosting for orphans. She was the only one infected. I'm not going to lie. I was scared she was going to insist on being stopped, but she's declined. 
instead deciding to do what she can with her remaining time. Knowing what I know about the pox, it's not a lot. More often than not, death is a sudden thing for us humans. And while knowing Lindsay is dying breaks my heart, I can't help but feel the comfort of knowing, of being able to prepare. Or maybe that's just me trying to make sense of all this. Lindsay was the first person who looked at me like I meant something to them. It was just us in the very beginning. I don't know what I'm going to do without her. True Winter, 4828. It's True Winter now. I'm sitting at my window in the upper capital watching the snow fall and drinking some tea. It's quiet here now. I came up here after the last span to oversee more of the relocation a bit more personally. Honestly, I couldn't spend another day in the complex. Not after Lindsay passed away. She died about a span ago. I wanted to say goodbye to her, but the quarantine protocols wouldn't allow it. I thought about sending her a letter, but... I had some information that Radovan said I should tell her. I must have started writing that letter at least twelve times. I, I never finished it. I couldn't break her like that, especially as she was dying. Alice has finished her deciphering of the language in the texts. She brought me and Radovan to the vault to share what she had found in some of the texts she was now translating. It turns out the vault is not from the dragon. Or even about them. The vault is a library of Amen. It's full of records from the time of the Gods' War, but they are mostly about the coming and goings of Amen and the Seelie. This place is a place of worship dedicated to him. In fact, nothing in here has, so far, had any mention of the dragon or human religion. After all that, after all the faith and time we put into this, Radovan and I have decided not to tell the public. Who knows? As Alice continues to translate, we might find more about the human gods, maybe even the dragon, but as of now, we can't let this get out. Alice has agreed with us and will continue the project. We plan to spin some of her findings to be about the dragon. We know so little and yet believe so much, and none of us believed more strongly than Lindsay. I should have told her. She deserved to know the truth but I cared too much about her to hurt her, especially there at the end. So I'm here now. I'll probably always be here, in the upper capital. This is my home. This is where I belong. Now more than ever, we need a strong leader. We will have this peaceful season and come summer. Just you wait. Radovan will try for control. I will not let him take this republic from us. By Lindsay's name, I will not allow it. Forty-eight twenty-nine. First summer, forty-eight twenty-nine. Another popularum has ended. Our closing ceremonies have just finished, and I had to get to my office for a moment to close the door and jump for joy. As I predicted earlier, Radovan made his play for the government this season during the popularum. Frankly, I was a little disappointed. I thought he'd for sure go for a coup, but instead he did things a bit more diplomatically. He called for another campaign into the neutral wards, at the same time drafting legislature that would grant the high command of the Meidinger more domestic control of the government. For the safety of the republic and democracy. 
as he said in his speech. What followed was spans of debate and argument as we rallied Repre into either camp. All the while, Radovan continued to draft more legislature that skewed the government more toward the military state he's always dreamed of. I could see it. My supporters could see it. But the real challenge was making the popularum at large see that Radovan fancies himself a military dictator. It was rough going there for a bit, but by the dragon, we did it. We voted him down. Not only that, but the popularum passed counter-legislature that moves the Republic toward more military defence. My null wall project has been given additional resources, and our timetable for completion has been moved up. Resources from the Meidinger and the Dragon Navy at large are being redirected toward the completion of the Word of the Dragon and an aerial support corps called the Skyworms. Things are changing for the better. Or at least I saw it that way. Radovan has never been one to take a defeat easily. I saw his face as we closed the Populorum. He's not done with us yet. Next time he tries for power, it will not be so by the book. First Spring, 4829. We said goodbye to Ram today. It's been so long since I wrote about him. I have visited him on occasion during his house arrest, and we had a few meetings with him regarding the prisoners back in the United Pact. But those visits and meetings have been so few and far between lately. Ram's, for lack of a better term, political group disbanded ages ago. We have a group that speaks mostly for the Fey and half-genes of the Republic, but their power is diffused among the Repre. Rom's influence has not been felt in the day-to-day of the Republic in years, and I guess the United Pact finally figured that out. They called him back to face trial or judgment or whatever they think they can do. When Rom told me about his return late last season, I wanted desperately to help him out. I even tried to get a committee together to raise some awareness and support the prisoners in the United Pact, but nothing came of it. They have become our forgotten cause. The people we forget because too much is happening around us. I wish there was more I could do, but... We put Rom on a sky skiff to be escorted from the Republic. We said our goodbyes and I told him that he had done a good job, that he'd served the Republic well. Not well enough, was all he said to me. I'm sure we will not see him again. First Lindsay, then Rom, and Radovan is no longer an ally but a political enemy. I'm alone now, and maybe that is for the best. Maybe the time of Catherine Clark is coming to an end too. I just need a few more good years. Just a few more to make sure this Republic is able to stand on its own, and then... And then I can go the way of Rom and Lindsay, knowing I did what I could for all of us. Second Summer, 4829 We have had very few issues this past season. It worries me. The word of the dragon and the null wall continue on schedule. The people are happy. Ish. At least everyone seems fed and clothed and sheltered. I find myself still thinking in survival terms. There are far more pressing matters to deal with than just the daily necessities. Issues like Radovan. I know what you're thinking. You are wondering what he's done this time, and the answer is nothing. In fact, he's been incredibly cooperative. He's lent some of his leading experts in helping me with the null wall. I didn't accept them, obviously. I'm not an idiot. But the gesture was very nice. When I refused his experts, he went out of his way and was able to get old Thorn out of retirement to come and consult on the placement of the null wall. 
That I did accept. I trust Thorn. He's been a level-headed ally since the early days. While we were out inspecting the placement of the Null Wall, he told me I might want to find someone to look in on Radovan. He didn't offer any specifics, and I trust that he didn't have any, but he said his experience told him that men like Radovan do not give up as easily as it seems he has. I took Thorne's advice and recruited some of our Goblin citizens to spy on him for me. Nothing outside the law, no magical surveillance, just keep an eye on him. We'll see if anything comes of it. Middle Spring, 4829 I forgot how slow things feel when everything runs smoothly. With no crisis to deal with, I have been solely focused on the Null Wall. We are putting the towers in place. It will take a few years, but we should have it up and running and protecting us soon. Biggest news is that the Skyworms have been organised and completed. Them, accompanied by the Meidinger and the Navy, give us protection in the air as well as the land and the sea. Radovan commented in a meeting that he feels that this is a waste since they will be used for a defensive force and not offensive, but was quick to say that he's agreed that the will of the Populorum is paramount. He's up to something. I can smell it. Had dinner with friends last evening. It was delightful and relaxing. What is my life becoming? First Autumn, 4829 I knew it! I cagging, fenning knew it! Radovan has attempted to stage a coup of the government. The important thing is that he was stopped, but so many people are surprised. I wanted to shake them and tell them that he was broadcasting his intentions for seasons, but I know it will fall on uninterested ears. Radovan was a hero to these people, that he would do something so blatantly out of his public character as a shock to them. But I have known this rat since I found him slitting throats for bread. He was bound to do this eventually, which is why I was ready for him. I won't bore you with the details of espionage and intrigue, but let's just say that the gold I paid for Goblin surveillance was spent wisely. With minimal effort on my part and a great deal of logistical brilliance, I was able to cut the head off his operation before it even began. Thorn was an incredible help, as were the red and green scales of the Meidinger and a good number of our military commanders. They will all be commended and receive promotions. It will be nice having military influence that I know are loyal to the Republic and not to Radovan. In fact, the entirety of Radovan's command structure has collapsed. He didn't expect us to be so quick in our response, nor did he realise just how loyal the military was to the Republic and not to him. We have him and his closest allies in prison under heavy guard. I will not allow him to slip away to try this again. I'm turning over the running of the Null Wall to Thorn for the time being. Radovan's dealings will need a full investigation, and Mr. Cross has offered his services to get to the bottom of them. With this help, we should be able to unlock all sorts of juicy details. Hopefully it is enough to incriminate him for life. Ladder Spring, 4829 I have been sitting on the balcony for the past five hours watching the world go by. My home is set near the Capitol building and from my balcony I can see the comings and goings of the world around me. The world that we built. When this all started, it was just us trying to survive. Ram and Lindsay and Radovan and I. We had followers, of course. There were others. But really, it was just the four of us surviving. I knew these people once upon a time. They were my friends. Fennet, they were my family. That Radovan could be so changed in a decade unnerves me. Then again, maybe it wasn't any different. Maybe this is just who he always was. 
I am left perplexed and heartbroken by both prospects. We have uncovered that Radovan engineered the pox. We have records and samples. We have names of his accomplices, the groups that supplied him with the raw magic, of the arcanists that made it into a biological weapon. Actually, it didn't start as that. It started as an attempt to give magic to humans. They tailored it to bond to only human genetic material. Radovan thought it would make him a god among men, with an army of gods behind him. Instead, it killed thousands, including Lindsay. I can't face him right now. I know that we need to present our case against him in court next season, but he betrayed everything that we built here. He hurt so many innocents, all in the name of personal power. I want to scream and hurl this disc off the balcony, but I will not lose control. Radovan lost control. I will not. I will remain. Second Autumn, 4829. People have been asking me all day how I saw this coming. Repray, generals, business people, the width and breadth of human society, all looking to me for an explanation as to how this could have happened. I do not have an answer for them. All we can do is what we have done. We executed a monster that seemed to be wearing the skin of my friend. We tried Radovan and his cronies over this past span. They did not have a chance. The evidence was way too damning against them, and once the news was released that the pox was made by Radovan, the public outcry for his head was like a raging fire. We couldn't stop it. We even had to protect them against a mob. They wanted him dead, and they wanted it now. But we were able to calm them, and that has led us to today, where we sentenced Radovan and his ilk to the dragon's judgment. It's almost laughably ironic. He went to die so many times for the Republic, and now the entire Republic comes to watch him die. He was allowed no final words, no attempt to sway the crowd. We just put the snake to him and let it bite him 15 times. I'm not sure, but I think that there was genuine surprise in his face when the venom took hold. I think that even up to the end, he thought that the dragon could not judge him. That perhaps he was the dragon. Well, it doesn't matter now. He's dead. His comrades are dead, and the Republic has had its revenge for all those lost in the pox. I will mourn Radovan, but the one I knew, the one we ate around the fire with, the one who would have laid his life down for his family. This thing, this monster in Radovan's skin, I will not mourn it. I will not do... Final words of this entry are obscured by tear stains and ink. True Winter, 4829 I took a sabbatical this season, leaving the government of the Republic to the committees and councils. They can spare me for a few spans, I think. I'm here in Harbour Haven, visiting Kingswin and her wife. They have three beautiful children that cannot get enough of their auntie cat. I find a lot of peace down here among the farmlands and the rivers. I see Kingswin and her wife, Ginia, and I wonder if I could have found something like that. A love that sees you through hard times. I'm not old, per se, but I feel like the window I had to find love is closed a while ago. But I'm not bitter about it. 
I did what I needed to do. For the Republic. Maybe the Republic is my one true love. I came down here because I needed a break. Soon after Radovan's judgment, I got word that Rom and the prisoners in the United Pact were executed. Nothing formal or public like Radovan got, but they were just eliminated. Tools no longer of any worth discarded. I wanted to be angry about it, but all I feel is exhaustion. I'm so very tired, and I feel so very alone. My family is dead. Lindsay, Radovan, Rom. These people were my people, and now they are gone. It's snowing now. It's very beautiful here against the snowy hills. I can see the lights of the town sparkling against it. I wish I could describe it better. I, I just lack the words. I think I will stop writing for a while and just watch. 4830. First summer, 4830. It is here, on the fifth day of second span of first summer, 4830, that we of the Republic, under the direction of I, Catherine Clark, christen you the word of the dragon. Thank you. Thank you. On this great day, we thank you for coming to see this momentous occasion. Behind me sits our testament of this republic, a shining example of our ingenuity, our unity, and our faith. The word of the dragon is our sword and shield against the coming storm, a flying fortress designed by humans, built by humans, and manned by humans. It is a power the likes of which this city has never seen, and in the coming seasons, it will be proved in the fires of conflict. Even now, word has reached us that the United Pact is mobilizing its troops to come and silence us. Our freedom has galled them for too long. Well, I say, if it has offended them so egregiously, they should come and take it from us. Let them try. They will not find a lamb waiting to be slaughtered, but a dragon, its teeth bared. Captain Wash, you have the Republic permission to proceed. Let us see this dragon fly. Spring, 4830. I am sorry for the silences of late. Much is being done. Reports are coming in from the movements of the United Pact. It's finally happening, just as Rom said it would. The Pact has finally militarized enough to feel confident in the destruction of us. Our scout skiffs report the Pact is on the move. We have roughly a season and a half at most before they are settled enough on our borders to make a dedicated siege of the Republic. When they do arrive, they are in for a surprise. I just wish we had more time to put the Knoll Wall into place. There is no use in lamenting it now. We have enough. We have our armies and our navies. We are united, and our people have me. The Vox Republica. It's a new title, granted to me by the most recent Populorum. I'm quite proud of it, actually. 
It gives me a unique place among the governing body of the Republic. After the Council was disbanded after Radovan's betrayal, I pushed for a central leader, a person we could look to when things became out of hand. I'd be lying if I said I didn't consider myself for the position, but I didn't want the Populorum to think it had to be me. Apparently, they did. 98% of the district's repre voted for me in the voice of the Republic. This basically means that I represent the Republic as if it were a person. I'm technically no longer Catherine Clark. My will is now the will of the Republic. I will do what I feel the Republic wants, not what I want. Now, how I'm supposed to differentiate between the two, I'm not sure yet, but I'll figure it out. At least I will if we survive through the year. Second Summer, 4830. Forward Command has requested that I not be on the front lines this span as the United Pact has dug in across the canal from us and are expected to start shelling opposition any day now. I told them to cag off. I'm sitting in a tent on a hill overlooking the battlefield. It is raining today, as it does every day out here in the Cloudvale. We've dug in our position and are preparing for the worst. We're playing our game close to the chest on this. No skyworms, no navy, no word of the dragon. The scales of the Mightinger are all we are dedicating to this first taste of combat with the Fae. Let them think we are weak. Let them think that we will lay down and serve them again. Our plan is to hold them here as long as we can, and then lure them further into the Republic before we attack in full force. This is it. We were always building to this, even during those quiet moments when we thought we'd always have peace. This was always the destiny of the Republic. They will never see us as equals until we beat them at their own game. A perfect example, we had a high-ranking half-gene from the Accordance come to warn us of the impending invasion. We were touched by his concern for us, and the extent he took to come, probably at great personal risk to warn us, but that he thought he had to come warn us shows how they feel. We are just humans with almonds, a rabble of out-of-control animals that need to be put back in their pen. We thanked High Chief Embrolar for his concern, but we declined his offer of escape. Win or lose, we stay here. We carved this place out of nothing. We made it our home and we will not give up so easily. I can hear heavy armaments being discharged from across the canals. It's beginning. I will write again when I can. Svende, 4th Span, Middle Spring, 4830. 83 days. That's how long we have been engaged with the United Pact in this battle. We are hard pressed even after we've unleashed the majority of our armies and navies. Even the Skyworms have come up against substantial resistance. For all the mechanical wonders we've built, we cannot get past the magical might the United Pact has unleashed on us. If only the word of the dragon was operational. When we pulled back from the canals on day 25 of the conflict, the pack sent a bombing run to the heart of the Republic. We figured they would attack a few substantial targets, but on a whole we engaged them with the Skyworms, hoping to divert them from the major targets. Somehow, they knew about the word of the dragon. They went directly to the complex and bombed it. It became apparent that they meant to destroy the word, but thanks to the fast actions of Captain Wash and the crew of the word, it has only been damaged. Unfortunately, it is not ready for battle. We underestimated them. I underestimated them to my eternal shame. We are working to repair the damage, but we are being pressed on every side by the enemy. 
Civilians are retreating further into Harbour Haven, but we have had casualties. The front has solidified here at Dogwood Ditch running south. I'm determined that this is as far as they go. I will not leave my home to these animals. Commander Elkman has informed me that we need to get to the bunkers. We are about to start shelling their locations before we begin a forward push. Dragon, defend us all. Eight day. Third span. First autumn, 4830. It has been 129 days since I first heard those shells detonating in the distance in Waterline. 129 days of blood and sweat and mud. I've been asking to retreat to Eastgate or Harbour Haven many times, and always I would say the same thing. Tomorrow I will. It was an excuse, of course. I never had any intention of leaving my people here. For all that my father was, for all that he could have taught me, at least he taught me that you never leave your best people behind. These are my best people. Tonight I stand on the roof of a bombed-out building, watching the lines of United Pact soldiers retreat northward. They are watched over by the word of the dragon. Even at this distance, I can hear the hum of its engines and see the outline of its heavy armaments. It is a wonder, but nothing can be as wonderful as the silvery-gray glow of the null wall that cuts into the night. The towers of the null wall stretch in either direction of me, and it makes me want to cry. It is not complete, mind you. There are still miles to be done, but our disparate plan paid off. It is running, and it was devastating to watch. The Null Wall and our word have been in action only ten days, and yesterday, Commanding Chief Soulsworth issued their intent to retreat. There was no mention of our victory. In fact, I'm quite sure that this defeat will never make it into their history books. If anything of these past 129 days was written... It will be that they decided that we deserved this land and they gave it to us. There will be no mention of the thousands that died in the breach at Dogwood, or the scorched earth of Mudapple that will forever be burned in my mind as the name the scales gave it, the Kiln. They will not mention the push at Dockworth or the night of screams when we unleashed the Null Wall upon them. They will never admit it, but today we have beaten them back and this truth can never be erased. The Republic will continue. The Vox Republica will continue. The Populorum will live to shout at each other again. The Districts will raise up and demand a holiday. There is so much work to be done. There is so much to be rebuilt, but now, for right now, I think I will sit here by the soft silver glow and watch as a new age dawns. Long live the Republic. True Winter, 48-33 The snows have come again at the capital, and I once again find myself on a cold, crisp night, watching the snow drift gently across my balcony window. I know that I apologise a lot in this record, but I must apologise for almost three years of lost entries in this journal. I actually thought I had lost this record shortly after Bright Lights Day. That's what we called the Day of the Ceasefire. After the silvery light of the null wall that led us into this new era of humanity. 
I lost it in all the confusion of the rebuilding, and it has only been this span that I found it at the bottom of a trunk that I forgot I had. I still remember the day that I found this journal the first time. Losing it, and then finding it again seems a bit poetic, almost divine in symmetry. I think because it is so providential that this will be my last entry in this book. After this, I will place it on my shelf and perhaps refer to it again, but the chapter of my life that this book accounts for is done with. I'm no longer the scared young woman who slept in the cold mud all those years ago. <laughs> if only I knew then that I'd go from scrounging for food like a rat to being the Vox Republica. I was 23 when I started this journal, and now I'm 36. Thirteen years seems like an eternity, and it also seems like too short a time when I think of all that has happened here. We grew so fast. I say that it is because, for the first time in over 4,000 years, we humans were given an entire garden to grow in. We are fast-growing and a hearty plant, stubborn and a bit thorny, but ultimately our fruit is sweet and plentiful. We have known relative peace here these last three years since the War of the Dragon. There have been some internal disputes and some problems with the neutral wards, but neither the Accordance or the United Pact have come to our door again. They know that we are the match now. In fact, much of our external intelligence about the other factions is that all three of us seem to have each other evenly matched. Even now, as we near completion on our second flying fortress, the Eyes of the Dragon, Rumour of the arms build-up and advances in Mechanica and Arcanica give me pause. We take a step forward, and the Fae are either already there, or they take the step with us. Both factions have even completed their own cloud veils in the past year. It's nothing but a constant, soggy mess all up and down the middle of the city. I would not send our forces to openly attack either of the Fae factions now, and I believe that neither of them would do the same. General Walker is calling this a new stage of this faction era, with the term Silent War being thrown about. Well, we shall see how quiet we can be in the next few years. But honestly, I hope the Silent War will stay that way. I've learned these past three years that I like peace. I like the daily grind of our city, the bustle of our industry, and the safety afforded to us by our defence forces, the Skyworms, the Meidinger, the Navy. I like what we have built here. I don't want to see it end too soon. So, I guess that all I can do now is try my best to make sure it doesn't. For Lindsay. And for Ram. And for Radovan. For all our citizens. And perhaps for me. At least a little bit. It's like my father always used to say. You gotta hold on to what you love, Cat. Hold on and never give up on it. And if people say that that makes you crazy, then it must be better to be crazy. This has been the true and honest account of Catherine Clark Ponce, the Vox Republica, 4820-4833, to AAA. End of episode. Thank you for listening to Warda. Warda was created by Ali Grauer and Drew Merzieski. You can learn more about the world at welcometowarda.com. You can also support what we do by joining us on patreon.com slash whimsyartifice. The music for Warda was written by Arnie Parrott. He can be found at atptunes.com. 
Additional music was provided by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can find out more at incompetech.com. Sound effects for this episode of Warder were brought to you by freesound.org. Warda is a proud part of the OneShot Podcast Network. Other fine OneShot podcasts include... System Mastery follows Jeff and John as they scour the bargain bins of game stores across the country to bring you up-to-the-decade reviews of failures and secret successes in RPG history. Thursday night at 9 after an all-new Becker. That's all for now. Thank you for listening. Thank you.